You're listening to the Travel Geniuses Podcast for travel agents who love planning vacations for their clients, but wish the business side of things was just a little bit easier. This is episode 56, and I'm here to remind you that you're the boss, so make sure you're a good one. Hey, Travel Geniuses, Christy here. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the podcast. I'm really excited about this episode. I hope you will take it to heart because I think it gets to the heart of everything I'm trying to do with Travel Geniuses, and that is help you enjoy your business and love your business. I want you to love it and not dread it. And this episode is about boundaries and setting boundaries and rules around your business and the fact that it's your business and you're the boss, so you get to make the rules. I think we forget that when we hear all these experts talking about what we have to do and what we should do. And it's very easy to think that they know what's best. But at the end of the day, this is your life and you should enjoy it. And that means, in my opinion, not working 12, 14 hour days and being a slave to your business. It means loving your business, but then also loving your life too, and spending time with family and friends and taking part in hobbies and special interests and traveling because we all love to travel. And it seems to be that you're either like not enough money, so can't travel or not enough time because you're working too much and can't travel, but I want you to be able to travel too. So what prompted this episode, I've had it on my list for a really long time, but there was a post recently in the Travel Agent Hacks Facebook group, which if you're not a member, I strongly encourage you to join that group. I will post a link in the show notes. It's not affiliated or associated with anybody trying to make any money. It's just a group that was started to allow agents to share tips and tricks for how to run your business better. And there's no like, what's the cheapest hotel in Cancun for a family of six? No questions like that. That's not allowed. It's literally just business tips and tricks and agents sharing what works, asking questions about what works. But anyway, (laughs) there was a question in there recently from an agent who was saying that she kind of got used to the slower pace of life when nobody was traveling. And now that people are traveling, she's kind of dreading going back to that pre-pandemic work style. So what I'm hoping to do with this episode is give you some ideas and suggestions to help you set up your business going forward so that you don't get to that place again where you're just working too much and um, not leaving space in your life for your life. I absolutely believe that it is possible to create a business that you love, that you enjoy working in, but that still leaves space for hanging out with friends and family and traveling and taking part in hobbies and relaxing sometimes. (laughs) And if you're like me, I have sometimes said, but I like my work. Like I like reading business books in the evening. That's what I like to do. I like playing around with my website at eight o'clock at night. I enjoy that. And yes, that's true. But that also has made me sick, has had me miss out on time with family and friends. And I've told this story before. 
where when I, my, when my kids were very young, I was a stay at home mom. And then I started my travel business and still worked from home. So I was still there all the time. If they were sick from school or, you know, when they left for school, when they got home, I was home all the time. And at one point I did get a job outside of the travel industry. the worst decision of my life. Just kidding. But I got a regular job and it was outside of the home and I was feeling super guilty because no longer would I just be able to be home if they were sick from school or be there when they got home from school in the afternoon. And I was feeling super terrible about it. And one day my daughter, who was in elementary school at the time, said, mom, I like it better now that you have a job because I was working all the time and I didn't feel like I was working because I I quote unquote enjoyed my work, but I just always had my face in my laptop and I wasn't paying attention to them. I wasn't present with them. She jokes now that she knew she could ask me anything she wanted when I was on my laptop because I wasn't really listening and I would just say yes without even paying attention to what she was asking. And don't worry, my kids are fine. They're all good people. Um, I didn't ruin them, but that's the kind of thing I'm hoping to help you avoid. I also want you to make good money. (laughs) I don't want you spending 12, 14 hours a day just to barely make minimum wage based on your hourly work. So I'm hoping to share some tips and tricks today. Anyway, I feel like I got off track a little bit. I'm hoping to share some things today that will help you really think about the decisions you're making in your business and how you want it to run so that you're making conscious choices. Because I think for a long time, we've been told you have to be available 24-7. You have to respond to emails right away. You have to answer your phone. I remember back in the early days of my career in the travel industry, being at a conference and they would literally cold call agencies, like mystery shopper sort of things. They would call these agencies and they were like reporting on how many of them didn't answer the phone by the second or third ring. I don't remember what it was. And it was like, oh, these awful travel agents don't answer the phone till the fifth ring. And Like, that's what we've been told. We've been told that you need to respond to emails right away. You need to answer your phone right away. You need to be on the phone, whether you like it or not. We've just been told all this stuff. And it's not true. Um, Yeah, I'm gonna, I have more to say about that. But I that's not the topic. So anyway, I want you to make conscious choices. And one thing I want to say before I start, I will try to remember to say this throughout this episode. But what I say, and the things that maybe I suggest are not, you have to make your own choices. So of course, I have my own biases and my own ways that I like to work. But just because I say that doesn't mean that it's right for you. I choose to stop working at four o'clock in the afternoon. I also get up very early, so don't think I'm not working. But if you like to work until 10, that's fine. You get to make the decisions. I just want you to actually make the decisions. I don't want you just um, doing things because everybody else is doing them that way or some expert told you you had to do them that way or you just really didn't think about it, which is probably a lot of this. So that's the whole point of this. It's not for you to work the way I say you need to work. It's just for you to actually think about how your business is set up. Okay, hopefully that makes sense. All right, let's get started. So the first topic or the first boundary that we're going to talk about, and the first rule you get to set is who you work with. And this applies to two different kinds of people. The first is suppliers, which maybe goes in another topic. And the second is your clients. So around suppliers, you get to choose 
which suppliers you work with. And this could be based on a lot of things, but it could be based on whether or not you like the BDM, how responsive they are to you, whether they work the way you like to work. I remember, oh, happy vacations. I miss them. Um, I sold a lot of Hawaii and happy vacations just worked the way I like to work. I had one agent I could communicate with and I could send her an email and say, here's the client. Can you please price out these three hotels, this type of rental car? She would send me a quote back and we just, after working together a little bit, knew how what each other needed and wanted. And so it didn't take five back and forth emails. It's just one from me, one from her, we were done. So you can find suppliers that work the way you like to work, that book the kinds of trips you like to to sell and design and book that allow you the freedom you want. If you want total control over it, if you want to like determine every single part of the vacation, or if you want to just say, hey, here's these clients, can you please like make them happy? Um So you get to choose who you work with based on all of those things. And I do recommend having favorite suppliers for a lot of different reasons, but it will make your life so much easier if you don't have to shop around for every single vacation. And if you find some that you love and you feel comfortable with and you trust and you can just go back to them over and over again. And I will say that sometimes your favorite supplier might be more expensive than another one. And maybe your client will ask you to book something else and you have the right, believe it or not, to say no if you don't want to. There are time savings. I talked about one time my friend was booking a group, which was fine. And I thought I knew her travel style. So I said, sure, I'm happy to do that without asking any questions. And turns out they wanted to use a cruise line that I was not familiar with. I mean, I knew who they were, but I didn't use them. And The trip took 10 times as long because for every question they had, I had to call the cruise line to find the answer. And of course, you don't get the right answer the first time. So you have to call through whatever. It was just a mess. So there's time savings involved in being loyal to specific suppliers. There's less chance of a mistake being made because you know how they work and you know what the quote includes and all of that. You know how much they're going to be involved with your clients. What happens if there's an emergency? All of that stuff. So if a client asks you to book specifically with a supplier that you're not familiar with, you can explain all of that to them. Like, I just don't know how that supplier works. I'm not comfortable working with them. I know that my preferred suppliers are going to take really good care of you. They're going to be there if there's an emergency. I know the quality of service you're going to get versus another one. Those are some of the things you can say. And like I said, this is your business, so you can still choose to book suppliers that your clients request that you're not familiar with, but just make a conscious choice about it. Don't just feel like you have to because they asked. And set those expectations too. As long as the correct expectations are set, I think people are fine with most things. So for instance, we had a client once who was a very high-end client and there was a family trip happening on a budget cruise line and he wanted to go and he wanted us to book it and we said fine we will do it but just know this is not going to be up to your standards so don't come at us when you don't like it when you don't like the food or whatever it was as long as you set those expectations like okay I'm happy to book this other supplier for you just know that I can't vouch for the quality of service because it's not somebody I use frequently 
All right, so the other type of boundary you get to set around who you work with is clients. You get to choose which clients you work with and which you don't. So if somebody's a real jerk and is never nice to you on the phone and calls you 50 times a day and refuses to stick to your boundaries and like nitpicks everything, you know those people, right? You don't have to work with that person. You can find a nice way to let them go, or you can just stop returning their phone calls and emails, however you want to handle it. But you do not have to work with people that don't treat you well or don't treat others well. You can also choose to only work with clients within your niche. And again, you can choose not to if you don't want to. But one of the big benefits of working within your niche is you know the ins and outs, you know what their needs are, you know what hotels fit their needs and all of that. Whereas if you take something outside of that, you maybe aren't going to be as sure. For me personally, maybe some of you like the adrenaline rush of the unknown, but I do not. And anytime I've booked a trip that I'm not comfortable with, I am a bundle of nerves the whole time, like sick to my stomach, wake up nauseous every day because I'm so nervous that something's going to go wrong or that I missed some detail that somebody who booked this all the time would have known. For instance, family travel, they have very specific needs and things you need to watch out for if they ask for a, a connecting room you can request that. But do you know that that's not guaranteed at most hotels? Destination weddings is another one that like, if anybody ever asked me to book a destination wedding, I would ruin it, I'm sure. So um, you can say no, even if it's a client that you've worked with for a very long time, if you don't feel comfortable booking, okay, so pretend you have these clients, and they say, oh, we're getting married, and we really want you to help with our destination wedding. If you feel up to it, go for it. That's fine. If you don't, it is okay to say no and to say, well, what you would need to do or should do is have a handful of agents that you know, whose work you trust, that you know specialize in different things that you don't want to book. If you're fine doing destination weddings or families, even if it's outside your niche, do it. But those that you know you don't want to take on, have some agents that you know and trust that you can refer people to. And I know it can be scary to think, well, then they're just going to book with that agent for ever and never come back to me. But I doubt that that would be the case because first of all, they've worked with you for a long time already. So they already know, like, and trust you, but it builds that trust too. If it's a new client, even who comes to you to book something and you say, you know, I'd love to help you, but this just isn't something that I'm have a lot of experience in. And I want to make sure you have the best vacation possible. So I'm going to refer you to a friend of mine who I know will do an amazing job for you. She books this type of vacation all the time. That client, even if it's a new, like a potential client that you're turning away, there's a very good chance they will come back to you later because now they know they can trust you. I've had things like this happen to me before. My thought isn't, oh, well, I'm just going to use this other person all the time. No, my thought is as soon as I need something that this first person I approached does, I'm going to use them because I know I can trust them. They're not just looking out for their own pocketbook. They're definitely looking out for me first and my needs. So that's somebody I know I can trust. So I'm going to use them whenever I can. So I want to share a couple of ways to handle this, like determining who you will not determining making it clear who you will work with and who you won't. For a lot of this stuff, sometimes these conversations can be difficult or it can be very tempting in the moment to just 
like take the booking. You like don't think of your words in advance. So you just say yes. And then later be like, oh, I knew better. I know I shouldn't have said that. So I want to share some tips. I'll try to remember to do this for each of these types of boundaries. But for this one in particular, I'm going to share a few things that you can do to a prevent the conversation from happening in the first place, because um, that's one way to help you stick to your boundaries is just to don't ever have that conversation. And one of those, one of the ways you can do that is by making it clear on your website, your website um, should spell out exactly who you want to work with and who you won't work with. So you can specifically say like, if you're somebody who's going to want to call 50 times a day, if you're not kind, whatever, you can say that like a lot of people on their sites, not necessarily in the travel industry, but I think we should be doing this more. We'll have like, who's a good fit and who's not a good fit. Who's this for? Who is this not for? And you can say like in the, who is this for? You can say, if you're kind, considerate, um, that kind of thing. So just spell out who you want to work for in a way that you feel comfortable with. I don't know that anybody who's a jerk recognizes that they're a jerk. So it might not help in that situation. But you can definitely spell it out and maybe weed out a couple of those people. And I think for me as a person, if I saw that spelled out on somebody's site, that would make me want to work with them because I know that they value kindness. And that's one of my big values. So that would attract me to somebody I was thinking about working with. Anyway, you can also be very clear on your website and all of your marketing materials, what your niche is so that people know right away who you work with and who you don't. And you could even take this a step further and have a uh, list of trusted travel agents in who specialize in other niches as well. So that if they are looking for that type of trip, so if there's things you definitely don't book, just have a, like if you're looking for destination wedding help or family travel or whatever it is, have that list somewhere and link to the websites of agents that you trust who do specialize in that. And again, that just prevents that conversation from ever happening and you being tempted to, you know, not stick to your guns on something like this. I hear from so many agents who are like, I knew I shouldn't have done it. And I made an exception and I regret it. And it like, they're always like, I will never do it again. So if you do, it's fine. It will just be a good lesson for you. And you will not make that mistake again. All right, the next type of boundary or rule you get to set for your business is how you work. And I know I've talked before about the fact that you do not have to answer the phone if you don't want to. But if you like the phone, you're more than welcome to have that be your form of communication. But you get to choose how you communicate best, whether it's phone, email, DM, Voxer, whatever it is you like, you get to make those rules. You also get to make rules around when you're available. You don't have to be available 24-7. Obviously, you want to have some way for people to get help if there's an emergency while they're traveling. So whether that's going to be you, if you set up a special phone line just for things like that, or if your host agency has an emergency number, or if the tour operator or whoever you use to book their trip has an emergency number, make sure obviously that people have a way to get help when they need it. But outside of that, outside of emergencies, you do not need to be available. But again, set those expectations. As long as you tell people in advance, like if you're, I actually just set up because I would feel bad 
because I'm terrible with email. And yeah, I just don't, I don't know. It's a long story, but I've just not, I don't have, whatever. It's my choice. I don't have to explain it. I don't like being a slave to email, especially on Mondays and Fridays. And I need time to sort of think through things sometimes, come up with the best answer. I do try to give thoughtful answers and I'm notoriously slow at processing things sometimes. But I felt bad when people would wait 24, 48 hours for me to respond to an email because I didn't want them to think it was because it wasn't important to me. So I have just taken a page out of Jenna Dakin's book and set up an autoresponder for my work email. And I will say, I use this email only for clients. I don't use it for newsletter signups or like support ticket. Like when I sign up for a service, I don't use this email for that. So I'm not getting, I'm not sending them autoresponders all the time, but I set up an autoresponder and I lay out what they can expect. And that, um, like, yes, I read your email. I want to give a really thoughtful response. It could take up to 24 to 48 hours for me to do that. If it's an emergency, of course, with one of your websites, I'll get to you right away. But otherwise, here's the time frame. And I even say on there, Tuesday through Thursday, because Mondays are crazy, because I'm trying to catch up on anything that that happened over the weekend, and just kind of getting back into the groove of work. And Fridays, I'm kind of already checking out. So I don't want to have to feel like I have to respond on a Friday. So I just say 24 to 48 hours, Tuesday through Thursday, whatever. But you can do that. Just set those expectations and most people are fine with that. You also get to choose the time frame, which this kind of leads into the time frame for designing a vacation. You don't have to take those bookings that need to be done within a week, like last minute bookings or even one or two months out. You can set the pace. And as long as you tell them in advance, this is the pace I work at. Um, you can do that, which makes it easier for you if somebody sends you an email with a booking inquiry. You don't have to respond right away because you're you've made the choice to not do last minute or close in bookings. You could just state on your website, I will not book anything that needs to be booked less than six months out or less than nine months out, whatever it is that you feel comfortable with. That way, there's never this urgency. If they email you, they know there's plenty of time for everything to get done. And if it takes you 24 to 48 hours to respond to the email, that's perfectly okay. And it also lets you space things out. So you're not um, having to scramble to find something for them because you know, you've left plenty of time for that. But again, it depends on your work style. What works for me may not work for you, but you get to choose. Another thing you get to choose is how much free advice you give and how much free help you give. And I think most of us would say none, (laughs) but I think very few of us think about it in advance and decide how we're going to handle it when somebody asks for free advice or for help with a situation they've gotten themselves in because they booked outside, like outside of you direct with the supplier or whatever. So this isn't so much about setting the boundary as yeah, but just deciding in advance, this is what I will and won't do. And this is how I will handle it when somebody asks me to. So for the free advice, think about I do think travel is a big decision. And there's a lot of money involved and not just the money, but the time like time is literally priceless. They can't get that back. If their vacation doesn't turn out and they choose a travel advisor who 
maybe doesn't fit their personality. So I definitely think a free consultation call is something that should be offered or could be offered. And I don't like, I'm not, I don't want to say that you should do it, but I also think you should do it. So, (laughs) but it's your choice. But if you're going to do that, I think you should decide in advance what type and how much information you're going to give. You want to let them know that you know what you're doing, but you also don't want them going off and booking it on their own or wasting your time, I guess. Like if they're going to book it on their own, they're going to book it on their own. But you don't want to waste your time searching for things and looking stuff up and providing a quote when they're not even going to work with you. So just decide in advance what you will do, how much advice you will give prior to getting their commitment and collecting your fee. And then you also should think about how much free help you will give for services or trips that you have not booked yourself. So sometimes I know you have clients who book their own air or book some hotels on their own or whatever they do. And they have you help with a component of the trip as well. And then something goes wrong and they want you to help fix it. So decide in advance whether or not you will provide that help and set that expectation in advance as well. Like if you put it in your contract, put it on your website and send it in your um, welcome packet, whatever you send them when they first start to work with you. And again, if they mention to you, oh, I'm just going to book the air on my own, I'm going to book this hotel on my own, just tell them that's fine. But if something goes wrong with that, and it interferes with the part of the trip that I've handled, I'm not going to be able to assist you sorting out your airfare, or I'm not going to be able to assist you with finding a new hotel, if some, whatever, whatever might happen, just make it clear whether you will or will not help if there's a problem with that part of the trip that they've booked on their own. And it's okay for you to do that. Maybe you want to charge a fee for that service if you do assist with something like that. But just set those expectations in advance and set your boundary around it in advance too. Don't be caught off guard and agree to something and then regret it later. I think that's when a lot of us get into trouble and what causes a lot of extra hassle and extra work for our business because we just, like I said, we don't think about these things in advance and end up just saying yes to things without really thinking about it and wasting a lot of time. The next boundary you get to set is around when you work. And I did touch on this a little bit already, but I will still touch on it again. You get to to determine and decide when you're available for clients, what hours you will work, what days you will work, whether you work weekends, holidays, how you'll handle emergencies, all of that. And just like with everything else, I've said this before, this is all about setting those expectations. If people know that you're not available 24 seven, then they're not mad if they try to call you at whatever time and you don't answer. And I do want to say, because I mentioned earlier about choosing who you want to work with and those people who are constantly calling you like 50 times a day, if you set the expectation that you will not respond to emails or phone calls immediately, they may just be somebody who just has a thought and shoots it off because they don't want to forget. So maybe they're not mad and expecting you to respond right away. And it's just how their brain works. So they're just reaching out because that's when they thought about it. So if you have somebody like that, 
and that makes you uncomfortable, just have a conversation with them and say, like, I just want to let you know that I get your messages, but these are the hours that I'm available. Is that okay with you? And if they're okay and they know that, then sometimes you both setting those expectations with each other will put your mind at ease and let you work with a client who otherwise is somebody you enjoy working with. One other point I want to make about this setting boundaries around when you will work is setting these boundaries for yourself. It's not always the clients who are trying to push your boundaries around this. A lot of times it's us doing it to ourselves. I have really tried to be intentional for the last year or two about enjoying my life. I don't want to come to the end of my life realizing that I've spent all my spare time trying to build a business and not enjoying it. Uh, The reason I want my own business is so that I can enjoy the rest of my life. So I have more time and energy to spend with family and friends and on things I enjoy and traveling and building those memories. And that's not going to happen if every moment of every day I'm thinking about my business, even if I'm not sitting with my face in my laptop. And again, I want to remind you, this is me. You are free to make your own choices. But if if this is something that you've wanted to do for yourself as well, I do want to share some tips around this that I have found very helpful. And I've mentioned before, I have an alarm on my phone at four o'clock that says time to quit working. And there are days when I make the choice to push past that alarm. And that's fine, as long as I'm making a conscious choice. But that alarm reminds me oh, I have made a choice that I don't want to work after four. So here's my reminder to shut it down and come back to this in the morning. I've also been working really hard to make those hours that I do work more productive. I mentioned in the last, I think it was the last episode about how I have that. I try to work through my urgent tasks, meaning things that have a deadline looming. So I really try to work ahead so that I don't feel like I have to work evenings and weekends, because all of that stuff that has a deadline coming up, I've gotten done a week or so in advance. So I'm not left at the last minute trying to catch up with something that has a deadline looming. And that makes it much easier to leave weekends and evenings free to not think about work because it's not just about not having my face in my laptop, but it's also about not thinking about work when I'm not actually working and being present, which is such a overused phrase, I think, but I don't have a better word for it right now. But just like when I'm with my family or doing something outside of work, I'm thinking about that. I'm, I don't want that thought about my business constantly in the back of my head. That's the problem I had before. Yeah, I'd be sitting there with my family, but in the back of my head, I'm thinking, how can I grow my business better? How can I, whatever. I don't want to do that anymore. I really want to be present with whatever I'm doing at the moment. So when I'm working, I'm working. When I'm not working, I'm not thinking about work anymore. And one thing that has really helped is getting those things with a deadline done in advance. So I'm not constantly worried about them. One other thing I've done that I wanted to share with you is I've made a rule. I don't know if anybody else has this problem, but I really enjoy reading business books and like thinking about my business, which I just talked about. I have a notebook where I write ideas and it's like by my side all the time. And I have made a rule now for myself and I really try to stick with it. Sometimes I fail, but I'm not allowed to read business books or business magazines or watch business trainings or sit with my like my business idea notebook by me. Um, 
after four o'clock. Like four o'clock is if I want to watch Netflix, that's fine, but I'm not allowed to think or work on business. And I do sometimes still have my notebook by me, but I try not to like just sit and stare at it all the time. I don't, if I have a good idea, I don't want to lose it, but I can just pop it in my phone too. But I really try to at that time, shut things down. So one way to help with this, whatever boundaries you want to set, like I mentioned before, you can have an alarm. Sometimes I've even gone to the extreme of like, now it's time to work. Now it's time to focus on this part of my business. I don't have those. I've turned those off, but you can do that. You can have like alarms for different parts of the day on what parts of your business you want to think about. You can have alarm for when it's time to stop thinking about work. Um, You can make rules around what you do in the evenings if you find yourself struggling and if that's something that you want to work on. It does help to have other things to do. So I have been really intentional. Intentional? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I had a brain fart for a second and thought maybe I made up a word. I have been really intentional about, still doesn't sound like a real word to me right now, intentional about creating or taking part in other hobbies. I am like a crafter, come from a long line of quilters and makers. And I am notoriously for myself, notorious to myself about starting projects and getting really interested in things and never completing them. And so I have a million things that I've started or that I'm interested in that I just haven't done because I've been sitting with my nose in a business book every evening and weekend. So I have made a point of having things that I can do in those after hours that I enjoy that I've been wanting to do and making them available and making them easy. So having like a workstation or a a basket of supplies set up and available so that I can just pull it out and do it without a lot of setup. And that helps give me something else to do in the evening. And it's been really nice to spend time on some of those things that I've been wanting to do for so long. So if you have something to replace the time you've been working on your business, if this has been a problem for you, it makes it much easier to not do it. And again, I'm sure I've mentioned this, but setting those expectations with your clients will go a long way. As long as they know their vacation is going to happen and it's going to happen well and you've got things taken care of, I don't think people care so much if they can call you on a Saturday, which by the way, I was thinking about this recently because you... Like I was going to say, well, you know, if there are people that work during the week and they want to talk to you on a Saturday, you might want to be available. But that is not true. (laughs) There are tons of professions where people don't work nights and weekends and people manage just fine. So I'm sure that they can set aside time during the week to work with you. But again, this is your business. And if you want to make maybe one Saturday a month where you're available for consultation calls for people who aren't available during the week, you can totally do that. Just be intentional about the rules you're making and the boundaries you're setting and make sure that it works for you. All right, this is much longer than I thought, but last boundary or last rule you get to set around your business is what you will book. And I talked a little bit about this when we talked about suppliers, but I did want to talk about this separately. Contrary to popular belief, you don't have to book every supplier. You get to choose who you will and will not work with. It will save you a lot of time and hassle if you book with companies and suppliers that you're very familiar with. You know how they work. You know what they offer. You know about what the price point is going to be. That will make your life as a travel agent 
a ton easier just for that reason alone. But also, I don't know if you caught it, but you do get to choose the price point that you will book. You get to choose what class of hotel, what type of cruise line, what budget you are willing to take on when you're booking your vacations. And I think a lot of agents shy away from making this decision and making this clear because it feels like you're judging people who don't have the budget you're willing to work with or that you think they're less than and they don't deserve your service and you don't want to work with those little people with the little budgets. That's not what the intent is behind this though. If you want to stay in business, you have to make a profit and you can't do that if you are booking even a thousand dollar vacations. Like what's, I always just estimate 10%. That's a hundred dollars. And it takes you hours to consult with the client, help them find the best vacation, do the research to find the hotels or the cruise line or whatever it is that you're booking for them. Um, secure those reservations, follow up on those, call in the final payments, check everything before traveling. And then now with COVID, like check the COVID restrictions. Do they need a vaccine? Do they need a test before they go? All of that stuff that's hours and hours of work. No wonder you're burned out and feeling underpaid. There are ways to be profitable doing something like that, booking those lower budget vacations, And I'm not, I'm really not meaning that in a bad way. I just don't know how else to say it. But if that's something you're going to do and want to do, that's fine. You just have to make that choice and you have to find a way to make it profitable. I had Elizabeth on the show recently from Souvenir and Far. Well, not recently, but I had her on the show. I'll link to that episode in the show notes. She charges a fee and doesn't take commissions. So she doesn't care what budget people are you know, what kind of accommodations and things that they want, because she's charging a fee that compensates her for her time. She also has systems in place so that it doesn't take her a lot of time to book those vacations. She has hotels that she has already vetted for each price point and just goes to those. So she's not spending a lot of time doing a ton of research, looking for cheaper accommodations for somebody who has a lower budget. She has destinations that she books all the time and pretty much sticks with those. So she's got a system in place that makes it a lot easier. And if that's what you want to do, there are ways to make it work. But again, you need to make those decisions in advance and then put the systems in place to make sure that you can do that in a timely manner so that you're still making a decent profit. Okay, I'm almost done. I promise. I just wanted to end this episode with some tips for how to make it easier to stick with these boundaries. I shared some of them throughout this episode, but I do want to just summarize all of that at the end here. And then I promise I will let you go. So the first one, and I know I've said this probably five times already, but that is to set expectations. I find that most things, as long as you've set the expectations in advance, people are totally okay with it as long as they know what to expect. One of the best places to do this is on your website. First, with just the language you use, are you talking about budget or are you talking about bespoke and using more upscale words. If you do not do budget vacations, don't talk about budget because that sets the expectation that you're going to help them find something cheaper. So just the words you use and the pictures you show on your site will help set those expectations around pricing. You can also have a how we work page, which lays out how you work when you're available, how they can contact you, all of that. You can have frequently asked questions where you specifically talk about 
the budget range that you work best under, the types of hotels and cruise lines you work with. I mentioned that I have an email autoresponder so that people know when they email me when they can expect me to get back to them. And then you can also have things around your boundaries in your client agreement, in the contract that you have them sign. A lot of people don't read those. So I find it also helpful to spell it out in normal non-lawyer terms too, just letting people know what they can expect. And you can have this on your website or in a welcome packet if you send something like that when somebody signs up to work with you. So after setting expectations for the client, it's important to make it easy for you to stick to these as well, because you can get flustered when you're in the moment and somebody asks you to do something and it's awkward sometimes and uncomfortable and hard to say no to somebody, especially if you're a people pleaser. So I like to make things as easy as possible and make it, um, it, first of all, eliminate those conversations in the first place, which is why having all of that information on your website helps, but also be prepared with an answer so that when that comes up, I'll know what to say. And I don't have to like, I don't know how to say no. So I'm just going to say yes, I don't have those experiences. So the first thing is having all that information on your website helps eliminate a lot of those questions and those uncomfortable conversations in the first place. So if you charge a fee saying that on your website, if that's one of your boundaries, like I will not work with anybody who does not pay my fee, then having that fee spelled on on your website prevents or minimizes the chances that somebody will book a consultation call with you without being aware that you charge a fee. So you don't have to, oh, how do I bring it up? How do I tell them I charge a fee? You don't have to do that because the expectation is that they already know. Another thing that really helps is to decide in advance how you're going to handle a situation if somebody isn't aware of your boundaries or ask you to make an exception just one time, please. I'm a family friend. Please don't charge me your fee, whatever it is. It's hard to say no sometimes. So if you haven't already decided how to say no, your default is going to be, I don't know what to say. So I'm just going to say yes. And then you end up regretting it. So if you decide in advance what you you're going to say something that feels comfortable. And when you're preparing for how to answer this over the phone or in person, I definitely think don't just write it out, say it and make sure it's something that feels comfortable to say, because what feels good to say is different than what feels good in the written word. So make sure you say it, make sure you feel comfortable with it. And also do the same thing for email, have the email already written out so that when that email request comes in, you don't have to think about it. You don't have to stress about how am I going to say no, you've already got it written, just send the email and you're done. And just a couple of additional tips on how to help you stick to your boundaries too. When you try to violate them, I did mention I have that alarm on my phone. Another thing that you can do that I've done is remove your email app from your phone, remove social media apps from your phone. If that is a problem for you and you find you're working on social media a lot, if you're somebody who works on the phone, (laughs) turn your ringer off or have it go straight to voicemail. You can set, at least on an iPhone, I don't know about Android, you can set favorites and you can set 
a certain t- time frames where anybody on your favorites list, like your favorite contacts of so family members or friends that you want to hear from, their phone calls will come through, but anybody else's will go straight to voicemail and you won't even know your phone rang. So if that's something, if you use your cell phone and you just can't resist answering the phone when a client calls after hours, try that trick too, if you still want to get personal phone calls. Okay, that's it. I know that was a lot, but hopefully it has gotten you thinking about some different ways that you can run your business and realize that you are the boss. This is your business. You get to make the rules. You get to design it in a way that works for you. And you don't have to implement all of these overnight, but just pick one or two and really think about them and make some decisions and put some boundaries in place and some barriers to help you stick to those boundaries. If you want to take this further, I am planning on focusing a couple of months in insiders around setting boundaries and setting up the barriers and getting those systems in place to help you stick to them a little more. It's waitlisted right now, but if you want to sign up for the waitlist to be notified as soon as it opens up, it'll be in September. You can go to travelgeniuses.com slash insiders and get on the waitlist. Otherwise, I do have the free printable ready for you. So you can go to travelgeniuses.com slash episode 56 to sign up for that and get access to that for free. And that is it for this episode. Until next time, have a great week.